We come, Lord God. Oh, mighty God, with hungry hearts, Lord. Thankful hearts, Lord God, for who you are, Lord. And Father, we're excited to be here today, Lord, for what you're going to do in our midst and our service, God. We ask you, Lord, to touch every heart today, that you would receive our worship. Father, we honor you today, Lord God, with our worship today. Be glorified, and we pray that you would meet every need today. And we give the glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
impossible for you, nothing too great for you. We thank you, Lord, that mountains are not intimidating to you. We bring every mountain, we bring every big problem to your throne this morning. Right now, oh God, we lay before you. It might be a physical, it might be an emotional, family, a financial, whatever that mountain may be. But we bring it before your throne, living God. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, let this mountain melt. Let this mountain begin to crumble. Let this mountain begin to blow away. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the risen Christ, oh God, let mountains be removed this day. We'll tell everyone about it. We'll give glory. Let tumors die, shrink, and disappear. Let infirmities go away, never to return. Let hearts that are weary and wounded receive peace. Let hungry souls be satisfied, greatly refreshed and revived and rejuvenated with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, Father, we thank you that nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for you. And we choose not to run from our mountains. We choose not to crumble in fear before our mountains. But we choose to bring them to you in faith believing that you are a mountain mover of a God. And that you are able and you are willing to meet every need and to fight the battles for your ones that you love. Father, we thank you. The mountains that we brought to you right now, they are beginning to shrink. They are beginning to melt. They are beginning to crumble. And by the power of God, they will be removed. And we will bring you glory. And all God's people said, let's give Jesus a hand clap. Jesus, he's your mountain mover. Jesus, he's your way maker. Jesus, that mountain of sickness has got to go. That mountain of confusion is going to go. That financial debt is going to go. Oh, hallelujah. That broken heart, it is healed. It is healed. It is healed. By the comfort and consolation of the living God. Hallelujah. Woo.
Tell your neighbor, you got to work with God to move that mountain. You got to work with God to move that mountain. God will move that mountain of debt, but you got to work with God to move that mountain. Amen? God's going to move that disease, but you got to stand on that promise, and you got you to work with God to move that mountain. Amen? God's going to bring that wayward child home, but you got to work with God to remove that mountain. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to intercede. You're going to have to get serious in the Holy Ghost and cry out for that love. But God says, if you'll do your part, tell that person next to you, if you'll do your part, God is faithful to do his. You take that to the bank. Somebody, you take that to the bank. God says, I dare you. God says, I dare you. God says, I just dare you to test me. I dare you to trust me. I dare you to believe my promise. I dare you to bring it to me with an expectation. Because he's a God that loves showing himself strong on behalf of those that love him. He's a God that delights. He delights in answering your cries. He delights in coming to your aid. Like any father delights in coming to the aid of a little one. <laughs> grandpa, come in with that beautiful little girl. I said, no, nah, I can't really be your grandpa. You're too cute, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But our grandpa delights to pick him up. Grandpa delights, so he'd be there. He'd, he'd kill for him. He'd do anything. But delight, delight, delight. Come on, come on, parents. Delight, delight, delight. Your heavenly father delights, delights in ministering to you and helping you. And he's a good God. Oh, he's a good God. He's a good God. Oh, he's a good God. Woo. Oh, hallelujah. There's no mountain too strong, no valley too deep. Oh, we're not serving a dead God. We're not serving a statue. We're not serving a philosophy. We're not serving some wayward craziness of the present hour. Our God is the living God. He's an awesome God. He's the almighty God. He's an ever-present God. Nothing too hard for your God, for your God, for your God. That mountain's got to go. That trouble's got to cease. In the name of Jesus, dear God, answer their cry. Oh, Father, release your power and turn that thing around. Do it in a mighty way. Do it in such a way. Well, men will just stand and say, look what the Lord hath done. Hallelujah believe that just shout amen and you may be seated hallelujah glory to god hallelujah amen someone says what's that this is pentecost this is what pentecostal churches do amen someone said i grew up in a pen well this wasn't it this is i mean this is pentecost this is normal pentecost amen and i said pentecost glory to god Last time I checked, he was alive. Amen? Last time I checked, that book is yes and amen. Can you say that right? Woo! Hallelujah. Woo! Reeling myself in. Hey, hey. Amen. Glory. Amen. Glory to God. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. Amen. And you know, it's so precious. As we began to sing, 
May that second song. All our little kids are going to children's church. Come on down. Come on down. Pastor Todd, you still hanging around? You with us? Come on down. All the kids. Come on, kids. Come on, girls. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right here. Face everyone. Don't say how cute you are. They don't want to say how ugly pastor is. They want to say how cute you are. Come on. Amen. We're going to pray one more time. Whoever's here going to school, we're going to pray. Some, some weren't able to make it last week, family vacations and stuff. We're going to bless them. But, you know, we sang a beautiful song, didn't we? Generation to generation. I love that. Generation to generation. Don't you love that? I mean, from the little to the old. And some of us that are all of us that are in between. Amen. Praising God. Rejoicing in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? I'm hanging out in that middle age as long as I can. Amen. Don't have faith to call myself young anymore. Too scared to call myself old. I'm going to stick in the middle. Amen. But how many believe generation after generation? God, praise the Lord. Amen. It's a generational thing. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful? We're going to pray for him one more time. Pastor Todd, let's go right down the line. Stretch your hands out. In the name of Jesus, bless these little ones. Oh, give them a great school year. Give them a great year. Protect them. Help them to do good in their classwork. Help them to be good Christians. Lord, anoint them that they might be a good example. Help them, Lord, keep them from all harm. Keep them from all negative influence. And let them be a blessing. Let them be a blessing. Let them be a blessing in the name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. Amen. All right. Children, you are dismissed at Children's Church. And we thank God for our children. Amen. We thank God for our children. Hey, generation after generation, going to love this wonderful God, going to praise that great name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Wound them right up. Amy, don't blame me. Amen. <laughs> I blame the Lord on that one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, if you have your Bibles, we are in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, we've been preaching through this book now for a number of weeks, a couple of months. We're coming to the tail end. There's probably about four more, after this, three more sermons from these final verses. So if you would, 1 Thessalonians, 5th chapter, let's begin with verse number 12. The Bible says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. And all God's people said, uses the title this morning, Family Gifts or Gifts for a Family. And this will be a two-parter, and then we'll preach two other sermons on a few other verses. You know, one of the Apostle Paul's favorite names for believers was brothers, brothers. You see it in verse 12, you see it in verse 14. And in fact, he uses it 27 times in just First and Second Thessalonians, those two little books, 27 times. He uses that word brothers. He's trying to get a point across. The Spirit of God trying to get a point across. Amen? We're family of God here. See, the name brother speaks and describes the church as a family. And our text is really instruction for the family or gifts to give a brother. Two parts to our text. 
we'll just touch on one real quick and spend most of our time on the other. But there's family leadership, verses 12 and 13. And then there's family partnership, verses 14 and 15. See, in verses 12 and 13, now we ask you, brothers, respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Family leadership. The Bible tells us, and we won't spend a lot of time on this. It's a good topic for a Wednesday night or a Sunday school class. You can go a little deeper in each word. But here it is. Simply, the Word of God says, respect them. Hold them in high regard and love. For they work hard for you. They care and are responsible for you and to you. And they will be held accountable one day because of you. They admonish you. They instruct you. They feed you. Because they love you. And that's their gift to you. So the word of God speaks of how we support and treat our leaders. Respect them and hide them, hold them up. And we thank the Lord. I know Christine and I always thank the Lord for such a wonderful congregation that loves and supports and has um, appreciated and supported us from day one who prays for us and especially those that pray for our boys. We greatly appreciate that. And we thank God for that. And I pray as we read these scriptures, it would move us to continue to encourage us to respond to others in leadership among us. And likewise, to lift them up, to respect them, to recognize they work hard, whether it's the board members or the various teachers and ministers of different groups that we pray for them. Pray for your Sunday school teacher. If your kids go to youth group, pray for the youth group leaders. Amen? Um, Sunday school, etc. That's the best way to... You want, you want good quality ministry? Pray for that ministry. Amen? And, and support it and respect it and so forth. So again, here we go, verses 12 and 13. Family leadership pretty much is emphasizing you and I treating and supporting our leaders the way God wants us to. And everybody says... All right. Now, second one, family partnership. Family partnership, and that's what we'll spend the next couple of weeks. Verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. We all need patience. Amen. Now we begin. Verse 14. Notice that the word urge, verse 14. It's a stronger word than verse 12, so we ask you. When he's talking about leaders, so we ask you. Now that he's getting to everyone, he says, we urge you. It's a command, and the application covers everyone now. Now we're not just talking about leaders. Now this is for all of us to one another. And Paul gives us four more gifts that we need to give each other to keep the family of God healthy and growing and strong. And there's four things we'll cover them in two weeks. He says, warn the idle, warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, help the weak. Don't, don't shoot the weak, help the weak. Amen? Be patient with everyone. Because how many know we're, we're all not there yet? How about that? Amen? What we like to say on our backs, there's a sign under construction. We're all under construction, so be patient with everyone. But we start out with verse 14, warn, warn. Warn those who are out warn. We must remember that God's warnings will start out generally as God's warnings, then we'll bring it to the specific, what Paul is saying here. We must remember God's warnings are God's gifts. God's warnings are God's gifts. And we must be quick to hear and heed the warnings of the Lord. They're, they're, they're gifts of God's love. They're gifts of God's mercy. They're gifts that say God cares and he's patient with us and he's kind towards us. 
His warning signs are lifesavers. They're marriage savers. They're ministry savers. They're destiny savers. They're, they're sanity savers. They're soul savers. And to remove or to ignore a warning sign. Take away that stop sign. Take away the one-way street. Take away the bridge out. And we plunge people into great danger, great harm. Heartache. Now, the definition of warn, to warn is to put someone on guard, is to caution, to counsel, to notify, to inform in advance, give me a warning. Keep doing that. It's going to take you to a place you don't want to be. Now, the Bible teaches us in the very first book of the book, the Bible, the importance of heeding God's warning. We all know the familiar story of Cain and Abel, Genesis 4, that fourth chapter. Cain is warned by God. Cain had grown jealous because his brother's offering was accepted by God, but his wasn't. It's amazing. Sometimes we think God's blessing someone and we're not getting blessed. And jealousy came. There's an envy. There's an anger. There's a hatred. And God warned Cain. He said, Cain, he used this terminology, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. It's kind of a neat thing in the Hebrew. The, the, the way he says it, it's like there's a little demon outside in the bushes just waiting for you to walk down those steps. It's going to pounce on you. And that's the imagery that God used in the Hebrew. He said, Cain, sin's crouching at your door. It desires to have you. God says, I'm warning you. You've got to master it or it's going to hurt you. It's going to damage you. It's going to inflict on that relationship. You've got to overcome it or it'll ruin your ministry will damage your marriage. It will tarnish your testimony. What God was saying to him, it was the Holy Spirit speaks to us when he convicts us. When the word of God speaks to us. God saying, I see something in you. And if you don't deal with it, again, it could be that relationship. It could be that habit. It could be that compromise. It could be that attitude. If you don't deal with it, it will destroy you. It will harm you. And I don't want it to harm you, so I'm giving you a warning. I'm telling you ahead of time. Beware, beware. Reach out. Don't turn around. Go. But you see, sin starts as a seed in the mind and in the heart before it becomes an action and releases its fruit and its consequences. It starts as a seed that I've got to justify, I've got to mull over, I've got to feed it, I've got to rationalize it, I've got to, the deceiver is working and I'm accepting. You know, you don't just wake up and do something crazy, but little by little. And the warnings of God are the things that God says, stop that! But we know the story. Cain rejected. He shrugged off God's warnings and sin won, didn't it? Most of us know the story, he killed his brother. And in fact, you know, he got such an attitude towards God that when God shows up after the terrible thing, he says, where's your brother? And it's such snotty. Don't get snotty with God. Cain got snotty with God. Forever, he's known as a bad person. Snotty. He, am, I my, am I my brother's keeper? He just killed his brother. And God's calling him to account that he's going to get cocky with God. Don't get cocky with God. Okay. You don't mess with God. You mess with your little friends, don't mess with God. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I got to preach what I got. It's here. It's right here. I'm trying to move on. You know, Cain murdered his own brother. And God warns us. Here it is, talking to you. And God warns us when he sees seeds of sin and danger taking root in our hearts and in our minds. Let us learn from Cain 
and take seriously the warnings of God. They'll spare us much sorrow and embarrassment. Let us give no place to the devil, but if you give him place, he'll work his ugly work. And, and let's master, friend, let's master the things that desire to ruin our testimony, that try to sabotage our walk and our witness and even shipwreck our faith. Friend, listen, friend, listen. Stay tender towards the Holy Spirit. Stay tender towards the Holy Spirit. That's heaven's alarm system that tries to warn us and turn us from things that are damaging and put that spotlight on things that are potentially dangerous. The Spirit of God wants to protect us and keep us from the traps and the deceptions of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you making it. He doesn't want your marriage making it. He doesn't want you fulfilling your destiny. He doesn't want you going forward in God. He wants you walking in circles. He wants you going backwards. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will try to warn you from those things and keep you on that proper path and show you when something maybe has taken root in you that's going to be dangerous if you don't deal with it. We live in a day, unfortunately, where many leave church and they live in sin. Well, what's happened, they became desensitized. And just callous instead of tender, they're hard towards the voice and the loving warnings of the Spirit of God. And it's costly. Now, in that same book, just two chapters later, there's another man who was a different man. He was a man by the name of Noah. Now, Noah was different. The Bible says he was a righteous man. And he walked with God. But he heard the warning of God. See, God warns and it all, we all have to respond. And one responded terribly. But here Noah, we all know the story about Noah, don't we? God warned him. A flood of judgment was coming. And Noah responded oh, so differently than Cain. Noah responded to God's warning. And it saved him and his family. Others mocked, but they were swept away when the time finally came. Every man must choose. His own response to the word and to the voice of God. Every man must choose his own response to the voice and to the word of the living God. I encourage us this morning, let's imitate Noah's faith. Let's hear what the Lord is saying to us in this present hour. And let's respond to God's word and God's warnings. And by faith, ladies and gentlemen, let's build an ark, a life, a home that will preserve and protect our families from this present evil age. And somebody say amen. Again, the warnings of God. The warnings of God are God's gifts. But in this modern church, we've so corrupted the Bible. We've so corrupted true Christianity that we've allowed the enemy to take things that are expressions of God's love and compassion and make them seem like a negative thing. But the warnings of God, like a parent, any good parent, if you see your kid going the wrong way, you just turn the other way and ignore it? Or do you say, listen, that's not going to work out good. You better watch that. You better be aware of that. Ah, oh, get an end to that. The warnings of God are his gifts. We see example after example in the scripture. It could be the written word of God. That's why it's important to read your Bible. It'll encourage you, but it'll also warn you. Keep you on the straight and narrow, amen? It'll speak to you. The Holy Spirit will bring things to your attention if you read it. And then there's our personal conscience. But our conscience is only as good as the health of our conscience. 
I pray that we would, um, you know, certain cows, they're fed certain things. You see, they're, they're fed, blah, blah, blah. They don't get this and that. But, you know, Christians, we've got to feed our conscience with the Word of God. But may your conscience be healthy if you feed it the Word. Amen? That'll keep it healthy and keep it tender. Our present circumstances are, are often God's way of speaking to us. It's amazing how people don't see God in their circumstances. Is if everyone else can see it, hey, wake up, can't you get it? One of the ways God speaks and warns us through our circumstances. The voice of the Spirit is another way. The voice of a friend. The words of a leader. An authority figure. You know, even a stranger. I've had ungodly coaches, and I can still remember advice they gave me 40 years later that is helping me, and it's, it's, it's blessed me through the years. Because the fact is, if you have a teachable spirit, I can hear my dad now, don't be a know-it-all. You're not nearly as smart as you think, son. He was usually right. Still is. Amen. But if we have a teachable spirit, it's amazing. God can teach you through anything. God can teach you through an ungodly person at work. God can show you something through a situation you're not even involved in. You just happen to see it on the other side, but God speaks to you through it, and it winds up blessing you. I'm just saying, if we're teachable and have a teachable spirit, it's amazing how God can speak to us. And God will warn us. Why? Because God loves us. And God wants the best for us. And he sees things that can get in there that kind of, anyone, I'm going off the rail now, but anybody know that, remember that Snickers commercial? Um, you know what I mean? You get the hungry, hungry. The guy's hungry, right? He's turned into a monster. And they say, here, have a Snickers bar, amen? Because when you get hungry, you angry. Oh, you, you're, not, you're ugly when you're hungry. Isn't that right? And you know what? Sometimes that happens. See, sometimes that happens. We, we become another person if we're not teachable. But oh, when we allow God to speak to us, God will teach us and God will guide us. The warnings of God are safeguards from heaven. It's God's way of protecting us and preserving us in what's dear to us. See, God cares about what's dear to us. And that's why he tries to warn us that way. They're expressions of God's great love and care. So let's embrace them. Let's appreciate them. And let's respond. You know, I, I was blessed with a wonderful upbringing. I had a great, great parents and small godly home. Just, just, I was blessed. And so that's the only thing I knew. Amen? I, just, I didn't know anything else. Well, I've run across many people in my day. Well, I wish I had a parent. that would have stayed on me. It would have kept me from a lot of heartache. I wish I would have had a parent that was there that loved me enough to give me some boundaries and borders that I wouldn't have gotten involved in some things. And we recognize that the warnings of God are the expressions of God's love. And so when God speaks to us, let's not shrug them off. Let's not ignore them. Let's be humble enough to accept them from the arms and the, the voice of a loving Heavenly Father and respond to them. Can you say amen? All right, now let's go to what Paul is talking about specifically here. That was general. Paul instructs the church to warn those that are idle. Verse 14, warn those that are idle. What's he talking about? Well, the, the word idle can mean King James, uh, uh, New King James, the unruly, the loafing, those that are out of rank, those that are being careless. They're out of line in their behavior or conduct, and we can apply it to someone's personal walk, 
or their family behavior. That word idol in the, in the day, the Bible day, it, it was um, a military term for a soldier who didn't keep rank. It describes someone who's guilty of disorderly conduct, a person who sets themselves outside the necessary given standard, a soldier who wouldn't keep rank but kept marching his own way. They tend to abandon their post and neglect their responsibility and their duty. They ignore the common standard. And in so doing, they cause a friction and a confusion and a frustration in the ranks. You get some joker who wants to march his own way. Well, he's messing up everyone behind him. And you, just, you know, you got to get with the group. Amen? got to get with the group. Now, what he's saying here is not so much that, that, that God is calling for the, his people to be just a cookie cutter, everyone look alike, sound alike. He's not so much being negative against people that might have a different style, a different personality. Again, he's not calling for cookie-cutter Christians because God created great variety in his creation. Variations, flavors, temperaments, all that stuff. But what God is talking about here, it's the behavior and attitude of a person that can have a negative effect on the rest of the family or is a danger to their own walk with God. In the family, again, they can tend to think, I'm above the rules. Everyone else doing it this way. I'm going to do it that way. I'm an exception. I'm different. No, really, you're just out of line. Also, in the personal walk, maybe in someone's personal walk, and they're very careless in their walk, very inconsistent in their walk. Friend, listen, it's important to take your spiritual walk seriously, or you'll miss out and others will miss out on God. Take your Christianity seriously. Be responsible. Not an irresponsible believer. And Paul simply is saying here, he's telling the church, he's telling loving brothers and sisters, warn them. Warn them. Now warn them properly. Talk to them properly. But call them into account. Tell them the truth in love, even if it might be difficult for the idle one, the unruly one to hear. You have an obligation to lovingly warn the straying or strife-producing believer. Now, this gift it has to be given lovingly, wisely, gently, discreetly, privately, sincerely. But again, I think the easiest illustration for everyone to remember is like when a parent sees a kid and you know the attitude, something changed, has to be addressed. Or something, they're starting to act, their behavior is just it's out of line with what they know is proper. And if it continues... And then there's a loving, I'm going to warn the idol. Hey, look out for that. Hey. So Paul says here, the Bible, see, if a person stays out of rank long enough, they'll sever themselves from the family. They'll stray from the ranks of the redeemed. They'll get callous. They'll get more callous to the voice of the Spirit. And they'll drift from God's path and plan for their life. They'll create strife and frustration in the larger part of the family. So the Bible says, verse 14, warn the idol. Is that in your Bible? All right. But please, 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 I'm asking please, don't take this as a personal deputizing and begin a warning ministry. God knows we don't need that. Can you say amen? This should flow out of a love and a concern for our brothers and sisters 
when we see something happen, not just once in a blue moon, but we see a pattern, and then it's done properly with compassion. Amen? We don't want to start a warning ministry, but we do want to be faithful as a family to properly practice the Word of God that we might be a healthy group. Can you say amen? All right, all right. I don't want to take a long time with that, so let's go encourage the timid, and everyone said, Phew. All right. Again, verse 14, let's look at that. And I urge you to brothers, brothers, family of God, who love one another, who are supporting one another, warn those that are idle. But here it is, encourage the timid. Encourage the timid. Let's spend our time looking at this, the timid, the priceless gift of encouragement. Praise God for that. God says encourage the timid. Don't, don't beat up on them. Don't, don't. Timid means faint-hearted. Timid here means discouraged, fearful, given into quitting, lacking courage. In the Greek, literally, this is those whose souls are small. Small souls that are big, bold. They're kind of, they tend to be negative and defeated people. And they need a brother or a sister's encouragement. These are people that maybe they're struggling with the weight of life, they're, they're feeling drained, they're feeling down. Um, how do we like to say it? They're feeling broke, busted, and disgusted. Amen. Yeah, they're just, you know, and, and circumstances of life, as seasons change, and circumstances change, and as circum seasons that are pressing them down and just exhausting their strength and just really working them over. And God says they're weakened and they're, they're timid here. They're faint-hearted. But God says, encourage them. And this particular word for encourage is close-range encouragement. Close-range. Actually, the word in the Greek really does mean um, close speech. Close speech. Near speech. It's not yelling from a distance, hey, get with the program. Get your head out of your duffel bag. It's not, no, no, no. And that's not pull yourself. No, no, no. It's not even from a distance saying, you can do it. There's time for that, but that's not what this word is, is looking at. This is a gift that is given eye to eye. Helps to have a relationship if you're going to get eye to eye. Amen? No one too close or you don't know them, but eye to eye. Clear compassion for the hands on the shoulder. Again, in the Greek, paramuthos. Para is near. Muthos is speech, near speech, near speech. Here's the best illustration I was thinking about over the weeks. Um, it's, it's, it's like that 10-year-old in Little League that just can't find the plate. And he's just walking them. He's just walking them. So it's not so much mama in the stand saying, go ahead, honey, you can do it. That's not what the word means. So that's great for mama to do that. It's not even coach from the dugout saying, come on, son, put it over the plate. I played infield most of my years in high school and all that. And so I got to listen in on a lot of conversations on the mound. But it's when the coach comes out, little 10-year-old says, go ahead, son. Listen, just put it over there. You can do it. You do it in practice all the time. You're better than this guy. Just put it over. I know you can't. Take a deep breath. That's all right. Do it. And even if they do hit it, you got a good team behind you. They'll take care of it, okay? You got it in you. Go ahead. Knock on it. Show them what, show them what you can do. This, this word encouragement that we're reading here, this is different ways of encouragement. The prophetic, the Bible says, comfort, edify, encourage. But typically that's a louder to a whole group. This word, walk up to me, it's going to be all right. The devil's a liar. 
You beat them up the last time they tried that. You're going to do it again. We're praying for you, by the way. We're going to pray all night. We've got, got you on the list. Those women are going to town. That devil don't stand a chance. Come on. Just get in there. See? It helps to know people and be close to the family of God. So, see, there's certain things when you don't get close to the family of God, you rip yourself off. But when you begin to get some friends in the faith, you know, people have more access to encourage and to love. Amen? When you get a little closer to people, you can hug them when they need a hug. You can't do that to a stranger. You know what I'm saying? It's a wonderful thing to have a family. These are family gifts. We give this one to another. The priceless gift of encouragement. When sometimes people are timid and they've been beaten up on and they're just, to be able to come alongside them, speak to them. Encouragement means giving courage, encouraging, giving courage. I'm going to take some of my courage and give it to you. Oh, hallelujah. What a God, what a God, what a God we serve. Again, we, we don't scold the faint-hearted from a distance, but we get close and we um, speak clear with compassion, imparting strength and courage. And listen, this is one way, the Bible says, that we minister one to another. This is one way we build one another up. And in so doing, we practice this. The family gets stronger and healthier, amen? You talk about the, the, the weakest link, right? But when each one is strengthening one another, then we get stronger links, you see what I mean? When we practice what the Bible teaches us to practice, we want to get a stronger people all around. Tony Evans wrote, Encouragement is like peanut butter on bread. Spread it around. It helps things stick together better. Amen. And encouragement does that, doesn't it? I like a bit of encouragement. Especially when people are down, just someone say, hey, I'm praying for you. We haven't forgotten you. You can, you can do it. We know God's going to bring you through. So again, note this goes beyond just teaching and explaining and instructing. You know, a teacher could give you point one through 27A on why you shouldn't be discouraged. That's not what we're talking about. The encourager is actually imparting strength and giving some faith, giving courage to the soul with words, with speech, with the nearness of their presence, helping a person to believe, helping a person to keep steady when they're going through it. Oh, man. All right, the Bible, and I'm going to bring this down, but I'm going to finish, hopefully, with some steam. The Bible is full of scriptures calling the family of God, calling us to encourage one another. I believe it's one of the greatest ministries we have one for another, is to encourage one another. One of those great famous preachers in the 1800s, London had more great preachers. It was the time of the great preacher. And one of them always said to the young ones, when in doubt, preach encouragement because people are always going through it. Amen? And it's true. So if you want to be a blessing to your brother and sister, practice encouragement. Amen? Sometimes you don't even know what they're going through, but just encourage them and God will use it. It's an amazing thing. But the Bible is full of Scripture calling the family of God to encourage one another. And it's so important. And it brings so much blessing. Very quick before we get going here. Um, if you would, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. How, how the Bible encourages. Right before we got to our text, Paul says, Therefore, encourage. Well, this is one another. One another. Right? We're not just talking to the preacher. No, it's one another. This is family gifts. Amen. This is the gifts we give to one another. Encourage 
not tear down, not, 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 you know, but encourage one another and build each other up. Isn't that a neat ministry? Everybody has the ministry building each other up. Isn't that great? I mean, we got some great teachers. Not everyone can teach. We've got some wonderful singers. Not everyone can sing. We've got some wonderful people that cook, and you wouldn't want me to cook. No, you wouldn't want I eat good, but I don't cook too good. But anyway, but here's a ministry every one of us can have. Build each other up. Amen. Build each other up. He says, just as in fact you're doing. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Let me give you a chore. Encouragement's important. We got practicing. You like being encouraged? I like being encouraged. Amen. If you want to get, you, want, you like receiving encouragement? Oh, I'm telling there's an eternal principle. Give and it shall be. So practice encouraging someone else and God will make sure someone encourages you. God cannot lie. It's a beautiful thing. And then you get all this encouragement flowing everywhere. Encouragement. Encourage. Courage. Strength. Being a part of the people of God. That makes a healthy local church, doesn't it? That makes a strong, healthy group of believers that we can all grow together and overcome together and be the ones God's called us to be. Go to that next verse for me up there. i got two more, but I want you to check this out. But encourage one another daily. Make it your daily. I'm going to be an encourager. Amen. As long as it's called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness. You know, when we encourage one another, we help people from being snared by the enemy. We, we help people from being deceived by sins deceitfulness. Because sometimes when people get isolated, and I know everyone has to do their part to show up. We can't encourage you if you're never around, but you know, that's another story for another day. But, but when you show up, you make yourself available to receive. You put yourself in position to receive blessing from one another. You don't know how many times someone just greets someone and the words they speak and the countenance of their smile lifts them up, not knowing that person been going through hell all week, and that's exactly what they needed. And if they didn't get that, sin can easily deceive them and harden them. And see, sin's working on them. Sin's trying to say, no one loves you. Everyone's forgotten about you. You're on your own. It's going to fall apart like it fell apart to so-and-so. You ain't so-and-so. You're a child of God. And greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. But the enemy's playing on that, right? But then you get around the family and someone gives you a little encouragement. And oh, you're reminded of the goodness of God. You're reminded of the faithfulness of God. You're reminded of the loving kindness of God. And he said, devil, you're not deceiving me. I'm not giving up. I'm not getting ugly. I'm going forward and I'm going to bless them in the good times and bless them in the bad. But encouragement one to another is what inspires this. Give me another one. What's that next one up there? Hallelujah. Not giving up meeting together. This summer in the habit of doing. And we stress that part of it. And it's important to stress that. Because the Bible says, the worse things get, the more we ought to have church. Amen. Amen. I'm just bringing it down to the Zeno paraphrase translation. Every library should have one. Amen. But, uh, but Paul says, don't, 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 don't stop coming together. But when you do come together, look at the one of the things that the Word of God highlights when we come together, something we should all be doing, not giving up and meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see that day approaching. Man, the worse things get, the more we ought to encourage one another. Stay strong in Jesus. Keep trusting in the Lord. It's coming. He's coming back for us. It won't always be like this. Stay separated from that world. Don't believe Leave the lie of the enemy. Stay pure. Stay holy. Stay devoted to Jesus. It will be worth it all. Hallelujah. 
and we encourage one another. One of the things the Bible teaches when we come to church is not to be a critiquer, it's not to be a whatever, but it's to encourage one another. And more and more as the day approaches. And friend, that day is approaching. You better make sure you're right with God. That day is approaching. I don't think Jesus is coming back soon. Well, you might not think that, but you might be going to beat him sooner. Ooh, easy getting to go down that road. Amen. But I'm going to get back into the encouragement mode. All right. Can I have five? Amen. Brother said I could have ten. Glory. Thank you. I love you so much. All right, I'm going to finish up. I thought I was going to make it with this jacket on. Man, it's hot up here. Two degrees cooler up here than it is there, but I don't know. What can I tell you? Encouragement. Encouragement. This morning, if I were able to look into the eyes of every person who's fighting that temptation to quit, maybe growing discouraged or battling with a heavy heart, if I were able to speak into your life and impart this priceless gift of encouragement, I would begin by telling you with all the compassion and faith I can muster, fear not, don't be afraid, because your God reigns and you're not alone in this battle. That God is for you and the family of God is standing with you and men and women are praying for you. Fear not. I remind you and I let you know that the Most High God is holding you in the hollow of His hand and there is nothing that can break the grip of Jesus from holding and keeping your life. I let you know and remind you, this storm will pass. Friend, it will pass. Don't give in. Don't give in. It's going to pass and a new day is coming. And it's too soon to quit. In fact, child of God, if you don't quit, you can't lose. God won't let you lose. You've been ordained to victory, not defeat. I try to look at you with faith and compassion, conviction. And I try to communicate to you this simple truth that, you know what, whatever you're facing, others have gone through similar battles. Others have gone through similar times. And by God's grace, they came through and so will you. They made it and so will you. Oh, so will you, somebody. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. The devil is a liar. And God's faithfulness is undefeated when it comes to bringing his people through. Can you say amen? Oh, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. I tell you, fear not. I could talk to those that maybe are lonely this morning, maybe a little bit discouraged. I'd remind you of the great faithfulness of our God. Oh, great is His faithfulness. I'd remind you of how far He's brought you. And remember how much He's done for you. Do you remember how far He's brought you? Friend, you've come a mighty long way, and so have I. We can all say that God has brought us a mighty long way. God has brought us through many dangers, toils, and snares. We we have already come. His grace that brought us safe this far, that grace is going to bring us on. Oh, the devil can huff and the devil can puff. I want you to know if you're a Christian, you're going to make it. The same God that brought you here will take you forward to your cross. The finish line, I'd remind you that your God hasn't changed. Your God, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like you made it through in the past, friend, 
He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Somebody, He's going to do it again. He's going to come through again. He'll answer your cry. He'll protect you. He'll provide you. He'll make a way. He'll touch your life. He'll stand up for you for the battle. It's the Lord's battle. And there is a grace and there is a comfort. There is a compassion of God that is greater than anything hell will ever throw against you. You're a child of God. Stir yourself up and believe His Word and stand on His promise and know that you know you are more than a conqueror in Christ. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'd remind you, I'd remind you as I remind myself we're here today because of God's great faithfulness. We're here today and you're a survivor because of the faithfulness of God. Others have fallen by the wayside, but not you. Others have gone back to Egypt. Oh, not you. Not you. You're still standing and you're still singing and you're still shouting and you're still marching forward trusting the Lord. Somebody say amen. Then if I saw a little light flickering in your soul, I said, I'm going to pour a little more gas on this thing. I said, oh, now it's time to fight back. Tell your neighbor, fight back. The devil's had you down long enough. Time to fight back. Then he was laying down. Let's slew foot lay down. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. Can you say amen? I'd have to remind you, listen, you are not unable. You are very able. God has given you abundant resources to fight back. He's given you the power of praise and the privilege of prayer and precious promises that you can claim and you can stand on because you are a child of God. I'd remind you now, listen, now you're starting to feel it. Now you're starting to get your second win. Go ahead and get back in that battle. Don't you be the devil's punching bag. Instead, you punch back with praise. Go ahead and praise him. You might not feel it at first, but go ahead and praise him anyhow. One of the ways you get back to victory is through the power a praise. It disperses that cloud. It defends your heart. It brings the victory to pass. If I could tell the young Christian something to walk home with, listen, consistent spiritual victory comes from the act of the will, not the emotion. I mean, some people, you might as well put it on the calendar. They're going to be up, they're going to be down. They're going to be up, they're going to be down. This life is up and down. And if you're given to live by the emotion, well, just watch the news, see where they're at. But when you make your mind up, I'm going to walk by the will. Faith walks by the will. I will to believe. I will to praise the Lord. I will to stand on his word. You don't see what it looks like. Yeah, my will is my. I'm going to will what I want to will. I'm going to bless him in the midnight hour. I'm going to praise him on the mountaintop. Praise him. There's the power of praise. Stir that thing up and begin to praise God. Even when it's not easy, even when it's not, and when things around you don't look at, praise God, He's worthy, amen? And as you praise God, it begins to disperse that cloud that wants to suffocate you and wear you down and hold you back. That praise disperses that thing. And praise guards your heart from the seeds of the enemy's worry and fear and condemnation. Because praise causes you to get your focus. Back on him who is altogether lovely, who is holy and awesome. The enemy will suck you in dear that headlights into the problem, into the bad report. But when you choose, I'm going to praise God. 
I might not feel like it, but he's worthy of it. I'm going to pray. I make up my mind to praise him. Amen. And it's amazing. As I praise him, it's hard to be critical when you're praising. <laughs> it's hard to complain when you're praising. Isn't that right? And when I'm praising, I can't be looking at the mountain and the fear. I'm looking at the Lord when I praise him. As I look to him, the source of my strength, things begin to stir in me and things begin to happen around me. There's power in praise. It's a weapon at your disposal. Use the resources you have to fight back in Jesus' name. I hate the devil. Amen? I hate him. Don't you hate him? You see what he tries to do to your kids and to your friends. you got to hate that devil. So I'm not putting up with him. I'm going to fight back. I know one thing he hates. He hates Jesus being glorified. So I'm going to glorify the Lord. Isn't that right? He wants me to suck my thumb and fall down. Oh, no. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to lift up Jesus. I'm going to lift up Jesus. He said, I'll be lifted up. I will draw. Oh, man. Habits of praises of his people. Power praise him. There's the privilege of prayer. You got a privilege. You got an invitation. God greatly desires. Come, come. I know you're hurting. I know you're frustrated. Well, come. The world's not going to heal you. Come. Come boldly. Come confidently to the throne that's called grace. Amen. It's a, it's a throne where there's mercy and grace. It's a throne where you can pour out every heartache and every frustration. You can lay down every fear. Jesus said, man, I ought always to pray and not faint. You see, not, not give in to the thing, not collapse. But in prayer, we find strength to go on. In prayer... The prophet said, they that wait upon the Lord, that draw near God, shall renew. That word renew means exchange. You throw off your jacket of, of heaviness and take on God's jacket of strength. Amen. You take off your jacket of confusion. You get God's jacket of peace. Where does that happen? In the presence of God. In the prayer closet. In the prayer closet. And I'm so thankful that we have such a wonderful group of prayer people. You can call them and they pray. But nothing, nothing, nothing can be exchanged for your personal time of drawing near to God and talking on the Lord and lifting Him up and giving Him your knees and receiving that they wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall rise up like wings as of eagles why because we're casting our cares and we're receiving there's a biblical principle called the principle of exchange you know you don't just walk into the store and walk up to the guy at the deli I got an exchange well the exchange booth is over there isn't that right I never do an exchange. I don't know if I've ever done one. I just say, get my wife to do it. Amen. <laughs> but I do know this much. There's a certain place you've got to go for an exchange. Amen. And there's principle exchange. Glorious principle. He was wounded for, he was bruised for the chastisement of our peace was upon. And by his stripes we are Exchange, exchange. They that wait upon the Lord, renew exchange. You can come in with your weariness, your fear, your frustration, your discouragement, but you don't got to leave with it. But you can exchange. That place of exchange is the presence of God, the throne of grace. It's in that place of prayer. You see, if you're going to make an exchange, you've got to get to the place where they do exchanges. Amen? 
Don't go, go back to the 18-year-old kid working in the deli. He can barely cut the salami straight himself. Amen? He's not going to be able to give you the three things you bought. You're supposed to get $2 and really $5. and You know what I mean? You better go to the place where they know what they're doing. Sometimes we take our burdens to places they don't know what they're doing. They're in more of a mess than you is. Amen. But there is a place where we can go. It's always open. The arms of God's grace are open wide. Amen. The blood of Jesus has made a way. So if you're hurting, go to that throne of grace. If you're frustrated, go to that throne of grace. If there's something in you and the level devil's lying to you and you need a fresh word of encouragement, go to that throne of grace. And that's where you get an exchange. Amen. And you can leave there confident and encouraged and comforted by the fact, my God's still on his throne. God be for me. Yeah, once we get some life, you know, you know what I mean? Once you, you get that life going, then we want to get them back to roaring. Amen? Don't want to keep you on that thing. That's just to get you going. Ain't that right? Thank God for ICU. Don't want to live there. Oh, I've been there. Been there one time. Don't want to live there. Amen? Uh-uh. Once I'm there, i got bigger places. Amen? And so once we get some encouragement going, we see a little life, then we want to get you to fight back. Now stir yourself up. Amen. Like Samson, feel that spirit coming on you one more time. Woo! You got re- how, how do I fight back? You got resources. Power of praise, privilege of prayer. Second Peter, first chapter. Great and precious promises. God has promises for you. Open up the book and put your name in there. The Lord's Wayne Shepherd, he shall not want. You can take that to the bank every morning, every day, every problem. Amen? Don't do me good being your shepherd. I need my shepherd. Amen? And you got to claim these things for yourself. Isn't that true? By his stripes, Joe is healed. Amen. Amen. You claim these things. Well, those promises are yours. Amen? And we all know people we can trust, you know. Your daddy, if you walked in and he said, I give you a promise. You wouldn't think two bits about it. It's in the bank. But he gave you his word. It's done. Isn't that right? How much more when God gives us, gives us his word. Isn't that right? So that's another way we fight back. We get a hold and claim, claim. You've got to make it personal. Amen? Claim the precious promises of God. Because God has a promise for every specific situation. So find yourself a promise. Amen? That, that meets that present need and fight with that thing. Hey, sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Amen? And fight with that promise. It is written. It is written. Devil, you're a liar. My Bible says boom. Jesus said boom. The Psalm says boom. Amen? All right, I'm closing down. But man, don't mind me. I'm just feeling good. Woo! Hallelujah! All right, we're going to close like this. Let's close like this. Um, family gifts. Family gifts. It's time to fight back. Number one, we covered the warning part. If God is speaking to your heart, heed the warnings of God. It's his love. It's his compassion. He, 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 wants, he doesn't want you to reap that thing. He doesn't want you to be deceived by that thing. So if God starts speaking to you, just, just take it as... The loving advice from a Heavenly Father that never makes the wrong 
piece of advice, amen? And respond to it and obey it, amen? But secondly, encourage, encourage the timid and the discouraged. You know, friend, God's going to bring you through whatever you're battling with, and God is working on your behalf. So how about if we close like this? If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you. If you need oil, anointing for healing, we're going to pray. Pastor Todd, I would believe God. If you just want to come and pray, if you have a need, we'll pray with you. But the rest of us, how about this? Let's just close the service by giving God some praise in advance. How about for things he's done and things he will do? Amen? And if you're fighting a battle right now, I dare you, praise him before the answer comes. Just show him you so believe God, you are so trusting and sure that God will bring you through. You, you don't need to wait for an answer, amen? You can praise him right here, right now, in faith, knowing God is working, and God's going to work his good work in your life. Is that amen? All right, stand with me, please. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Then we're going to sing and pray one for another. And I pray, let us practice encouraging one another. Amen? I mean, you can do it through a card. You can do it. There's so many ways, but let's practice encouraging and building one another up, and therefore we keep each other strong and vibrant in God. We pray, Father.